The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, good morning. Welcome to the last installment of our series called Psalm 23. Over the past six weeks, we've looked at this psalm that is famous that everybody's probably heard either at a funeral or a memorial service. People that don't even go to church can probably recite some of the 23rd Psalm. If you're here for the first time today, I encourage you to go online and listen to our podcast of the weeks that have led up to this last part. Because what we found out is that this section of scripture, which is a song written by King David, is about anything but death. It's about life. It's about trust. It's about what God does for us. And when we read these words from Psalm 23, David wants us to be assured you have a shepherd. See, this psalm says God's with us through everything. That God is with us through the ups and the downs and the wins and the losses and the good part and the bad part. God is with us. And when King David, who started out as a young shepherd boy, became inspired to write this song to describe God's relationship with him and ultimately God's relationship with mankind, he used an analogy that perfectly describes who God is to us and what God does for us. When he said, the Lord is my shepherd, meaning that we are his sheep. And over the past several weeks, we've learned how God travels, how the shepherd travels with the sheep through everything, and how God travels with us through everything. If you don't have a Bible today, there's some Bibles coming down the aisles. The ushers will give you one. It's yours to keep. We give those out every week at LifePoint because we believe the words in there are true. You can turn to Psalm 23 in there, or you can read along on the screen. Just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one of those. You can take it with you or use it and leave it in the back on your way out. You know, if, 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 God, if God's actions were dependent upon our feelings, then God wouldn't get much done in the world. Because I've heard people say to me, you know, I just don't feel like God's around. I don't feel like God is with me. But that makes it no less true that he is. That makes it no less true that he is here, he is present, and he is at work in our world. Because what he does doesn't depend upon how I feel as one of his sheep. You know, if, if, if sheep could think, which they're not very smart animals, so they, they, I guess they think a little, but not a lot. If they could communicate with each other, they would look up as they reach the mountaintop that we talked about last week where the shepherd had prepared for them this beautiful lush meadow for them to graze. They could look back upon their journey to the top of the mountain, and they could identify that the shepherd had been with them. 
And when David writes these words in Psalm 23, all six verses, he's looking back upon his life. He's looking back at the good stuff and the bad stuff and the the things that happened to him, the things that he did. And he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So David is saying, when I look back, this is what I see. I see goodness and mercy following me. I see this opportunity to dwell with God forever. He says, surely, not maybe, not possibly, not hopefully, but surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And he wants us to get that picture of our shepherd Jesus would have grown up reading the Psalms. And when you look in the New Testament, specifically Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, about how Jesus refers to himself, many times he refers to himself as a shepherd because he's referring to his followers as sheep. So when Jesus would have read the Psalm, when Jesus read Psalm 23, he knew who the shepherd was. It was him. And when Jesus would look upon people, there's an episode recorded in Mark chapter 9. When Jesus looked upon these people who were run down, who were overburdened and helpless, he said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he longed to be their shepherd. When Jesus was getting ready to leave the earth, he appointed one of his inner circle, the disciple named Peter. He said, feed my sheep. When people answer the call to follow Christ... When they answered the call in Scripture, when they answered the call today, they are saying, Jesus is now my shepherd. And this picture David has for us today is that there's the shepherd out in front, because God leads out in front of our lives before we ever get there, before we ever experience what we're experiencing. He's ahead of us leading. And then the sheep, us, following behind. And David said, as there's the shepherd and the sheep I'm also followed by goodness and mercy. Because this whole psalm is written in shepherding language. The word follow in Hebrew referred to the shepherd's sheepdogs. Sheepdogs that were trained to do one thing. Keep the sheep close to the shepherd. So there's the shepherd and there's all the sheep and there's the ones trying to wander off. And then there's the sheepdogs in the back, just like today if you watch a shepherd. They're pushing and they're biting at the heels of the sheep saying, stay close to the shepherd. That's where protection is. When they wander off, the sheepdog herds them all back together and gets them close together and gets them closer and closer to the shepherd. So during the, the, green, val- the, the green meadows that the shepherd took them to, the still waters that he took them by, the dark valleys that he led them through, the sheepdogs would have been there the whole time pushing the sheep towards the shepherd. And just like the sheepdogs pushed the sheep closer to the shepherd, David mentions two things that should push us closer and closer to our shepherd. He says, goodness and mercy, they follow me. So good things in my life, push me closer to God. And you might be saying, that's awesome, but there's no good, no good going on in my life. I'm, I'm struggling to find goodness. I got all this bad stuff happening, so where's the goodness? So how could goodness push me closer to God when I don't even see any? Well, goodness is there. There are good things in your life. If the Bible says it, 
If you believe the Bible's true, then there's goodness in your life somewhere. David says, surely. Now, goodness can be missed if we're not looking. Goodness can be missed if we're looking at what we don't have or the bad, only the bad things that we've experienced will miss goodness. Because we live in a culture, in a world, that reminds us every day of what we don't have. When your friend gets, some, gets a brand new car, it's like, dang, wish I had a brand new car. One that's got, now got the GPS built into the dash. Wow, mine's on a suction cup on the windshield. How low class is that? I got to have that new. So it, it's hard. It's hard for us to find those good things in our life when we're comparing ourselves to what other people have or thinking about what we don't have and allowing ourselves to be reminded of what we don't have all the time. When we think about what we don't have, it's hard to recognize the goodness that has the potential to push us closer and closer to God. That's why there's goodness in your life to push you closer to God. This is the fifth summer that we've hosted Alina. Alina is from Belarus. She's here as part of the Children of Chernobyl program. We hosted her for four years and then some things messed up in the organization and then we weren't able to do it for three, but the kids are back this year. There's nine kids from Belarus here with LifePoint families. They're here to get free medical, dental, and eye care and, and, and learn about Christ, show up at church with us and, and just interact with the family for five weeks. And when she comes, she's been coming to see us since she was seven. She's about to turn 15. And when she comes to see us, she she, she gets to experience things she wouldn't experience at home because at home, in order to be part of this program, if you live in Belarus, you can't make more than $400 a month, which is about the average salary. So like for them, a trip to McDonald's is like, oh, you know, McDonald's. We got to go to McDonald's. Can you believe it? It might happen here. So when she's here, guess what we do? We go to McDonald's. We go to the mall, we go to the lake, we go to the beach, we go to amusement park, we go shopping, we go to movies. I mean, there's just activity. We shower her with gifts. And you're thinking, how could, that's not good. Yeah, every one of you would do the same thing. <laughs> the other eight families that you host kids, don't be a hypocrite. You know you're doing the same thing. When those beautiful brown eyes look up and say, McDonald's, please, you're like, yes, yes, I will take you to McDonald's. It's dinner time. McDonald's, please. Yes, honey, I will take you to McDonald's. <laughs> and I started, I started to wonder, are we doing her more harm than good? Because how is she ever going to be happy back in Belarus? So I started thinking, i got to pull her aside and say, Alina, you know we don't always live like this. This is like special. All the trips and all the, all the stuff and all the shopping. That's just, when you're here, that's, that's why we do that. That's just, just to shower you with gifts and, and, and just show you. And she's going back to Belarus. And she's got to be thinking, I love America. <laughs> it's great. How is she ever going to be happy if she compares her life there with what she gets to experience when she's here? We do that all the time. We compare our lives to something that's just not realistic. 
And then it makes us have a hard time finding the goodness. If she goes back home expecting McDonald's four or five times a week, it's not going to happen. And expecting shopping trips and amusement parks and all that, it, it won't happen. And if she makes that comparison, it's going to be hard for her to see the goodness that is in her life. And if you're all the time having this tunnel vision about, I've got to have this or I'm not successful, I've got to achieve that or I just, I'm not going to be happy in life, it's going to be very difficult to see the goodness that God places in every person's life. So maybe the next two weeks before she goes home will be different. Maybe it's like laying down the law. No more McDonald's. That's not true. I'll do it today if she asks. <laughs> but our, our aim in life should be, let me, let me see the good stuff that God's doing in my life. And when I see that, when I begin to focus on that, all of a sudden, the goodness begins to push me towards God. At our downtown location, the very first week, a guy came who, uh, you can read a story on our, uh, go on our website, click on service and go to the blog and you can read a story if you go back a few months. But he came in and he just got connected to our church and I showed up at downtown a few weeks in and here's this guy I'd never met before and he's serving and he's, he's ushering and he's meeting people and Turns out he's living in the homeless shelter at that time. Had a lot of reasons to look at his, his life and go, things are really bad. <laughs> On top of that, he got hit by a car walking in the hospital, all broken and bruised up, no money, no way to pay for anything. And if you were to ask him, Ron, is there goodness in your life? He would say, oh yeah. Because I started going to this church that meets in this concert bar, not sure which it is, downtown Raleigh. And, and I got in trouble and bad things happened to me. And then I was surrounded by people who took care of me, who loved me, who made sure I had meals, who made sure I had a place to stay, who made sure I had rides. And all the goodness that's happened in his life, if I could ask him right here on stage, he would agree it's all pushed him closer and closer to the shepherd. That's what goodness is supposed to do for us. Occasionally, I'll have a married couple come in and, and talk to me about maybe some conflict that's going on in their marriage, or the husband come in and is like, can't stand it anymore. The wife comes in, please help me, I can't stand it anymore. And, and this is just like counseling 101. The first time when somebody comes in and they're just not happy in their marriage, there's just stuff going on, there's conflict, I just say, like, I'm not a professional counselor, but here's what you need to do. You need to go home, you need to look your wife in the eyes, and you need to tell her why you married her to start with. What was it about her that turned your head? What made you say, I gotta have that one, that's the one? And if I'm talking to the wife, I'm saying, go home, tell your husband the same thing. What made you say, that's the man I wanna marry? What made you fall in love and let your heart just go? Go home and talk about that. And it's amazing when they go home and they start to talk about the things, the good things that pulled them together, their relationship can take some big strides. I just told somebody that a few weeks ago. And he went home knowing that it wasn't going to work, 
called me up a couple days later and he goes, you are not going to believe this. I did what you said and it worked. I started telling her why I loved her, why I fell in love with her, what turned my head, what made me want to marry her and tears started to flow. And he said, we are on the, on a track where our marriage can be healed now. But if they would have just focused on the things that divided them, all the negative stuff, all the like, I hate this about you, I can't stand this about you, shut up, get out of my face. If they would have just focused on that, they would never work it out. But at least there's a big chance if they start, we're in love and here's why and here's what made me fall in love with you. And if you just focus on the bad stuff that's going on in life, you just got to know this world's a broken place. Bad stuff's going to happen. And if you just focus on that, You'll never be able to be pushed towards the shepherd. You won't be able to be pushed towards God because David says, goodness is behind me like a sheepdog is behind a herd of sheep, pushing me closer and closer to my shepherd. Romans 8 verse 28 says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And that word works. If you're struggling with what's good in my life, how can my life amount to something good? How can I see goodness? That, that word for works in Greek was a phrase that referred to weaving yarn together to make a tapestry. So all the things that happen in my life weave together for good. That's what the Bible says. It comes together somehow for goodness. And if I just look back at my, my life, Donnie is a child. The, the, things that, the things that happened to me. That, why did I have to grow up in a broken home? Why did I have to grow up where, where my dad wasn't around? Why, why did all that have to happen? Well, why did I have these other things happen to me? Why did I do these things when I was a teenager? My gosh, what was I thinking? And all the consequences that come with that. And why did I? I could look at that and ask all those questions. But if, if my life had not happened the way it did there's goodness that's going on right now I would not be able to enjoy. My amazing wife, my awesome kids, this great church that somehow God has seen in his grace to let me get to lead. And all of the things that happened in the past, good and bad, were woven together to make me who I am today. And I can say, thank you, God, for allowing all of that to happen. Let that goodness push me closer to you. That's how all things weave together in the good and the bad and bring us closer into a relationship with him. So the masterpiece, the tapestry of our life is not what we achieve, but our closer relationship with God. David said, I'm not just followed by goodness, I'm also followed by mercy. The sheepdog of goodness and the sheepdog of mercy are behind me pushing me closer to God. And mercy there just means unfailing love. So you're being followed by love that never fails, that can't be broken no matter what. If you're a superhero fan, uh, I'm going to give you just a little bit of a spoiler on the Spider-Man movie. And if you haven't seen it by now, you're not really a Spider-Man fan anyway, so it really doesn't matter, okay? It's been out a few weeks, come on. Well, in the new Spider-Man movie, the interpretation of the first one, uh, he doesn't shoot his webs out of this something that appears on his arm and somehow comes from within his body. 
he shoots the web from this uh, little contraption that he puts on his arm that was developed. It's as thin as a spider's web, but it'll pull a jetliner. It's unbreakable. And so he rigs it up so it goes around his wrist and he shoots it out and that's how he swings. But there's a big deal that it's just not breakable. Well, God's love is stronger than that. It's not breakable. There's no place you can run. There's no depth you can go to to say, you know what? God doesn't love me anymore. I've done too much and I've pushed him out of my life and he no longer loves me. Jesus knew people would feel like I've gone too far and God doesn't love me anymore. So Jesus tells some stories in Luke chapter 15 about what it's like for someone to wander away from the love of God or wander away from a relationship with God. And one of the stories Jesus tells in Luke 15 is about a sheep and a shepherd. It's about a sheep who was one of those fence crawlers that we talked about a few weeks ago that kind of stay around the edges just waiting to step over the edge. Maybe they'll experience something new and better. And one of the fence crawlers wandered off. And Jesus tells the story about the shepherd who goes looking for the lost sheep. The one that somehow had gotten away from the sheepdogs. The one that somehow had gotten outside of the boundaries the shepherd had set up. And when he noticed the sheep was gone, he went looking. And when he found the sheep, Jesus tells this story in very much detail about what the shepherd did. What the shepherd didn't do was say, there you are again. You ran off again. If I if I have to come out here again, you're just going to be you're going to have the wolves are going to have you for dinner. Then that's what's going to happen, buddy. If it happens again, that's not what the shepherd did. Jesus tells how the shepherd picked up the sheep, put it over his shoulders, and he took the sheep home. That's what God will do for you. He will take you back into that relationship with Him. Anytime you are willing to just say, I'm ready. He'll come looking for, I've had people say to me, I think I've done just too much. I don't think God would accept me back. And I always say, all you have to do is just turn around, walk in a new direction. That's what repentance means. Just turn around, walk in a new direction. God didn't, didn't get any further from you. He's right there. You're just looking in the wrong direction. And so if you think God won't come for you, start to read all of Luke 15 and see how Jesus wants us to see him as this father who never, ever gives up on us. See, that's the kind of assurance that he wants us to have. And he says, everything that's good and all the mercy and this extravagant love that you experience, let it push you towards the father. Let it push you towards the shepherd. Every shred of mercy that he offers us is offered to push us closer to God. See, the shepherd sees things the sheep doesn't see. The shepherd's out front. Shepherd's taller. The shepherd's able to see things little sheep down on the ground can't see. And they just have to trust that he sees a future and he's leading them into a place of safety. And you just have to trust. God sees the future. I don't understand why life's this way now, but, but I just trust that he sees things that I don't see. And when I see the goodness in my life, and if you, can, if you can do that, there's goodness in your life. If like In, a, in an hour, oh, I'm already hungry now. Truthful, I'm, I'm a little hungry. I didn't have much for breakfast. In an hour, you're going to be hungry. 
and you're going to go eat where you want to eat. Tonight, you're going to be tired. You're going to get in your bed. There's goodness in your life. Just find it, focus on it, and let it push you closer to God. And if you're one of those that you feel like, I'm one of those sheep that's out there and I've made mistakes, let his extravagant, unfailing, unending love push you closer to him. So David's saying, God will take care of me in this life. You can count on it. But he goes further to talk, not just about this life, but the next life. And when he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God wants me to be assured of the next life. Now you may have grown up going to church or, or, or experience with someone going to church or a Bible reader, some religious person that, that made you believe that when you're with God, one day you're in and one day you're out. And that's based upon your feelings or your activity. God loves you one day. God doesn't love you the next day. Or, you know, hey, if I'm in a, if I'm, if I'm in a collision, this is the God I grew up uh, knowing or running from or not, not even wanting to be in, in a relationship with. If you're in a collision and your cars are c- going towards each other, you better say a prayer before they hit. And if you do, and the prayer was real, maybe, maybe God will let you go. I can remember thinking, well, the best way to go would be in church with my hands raised, a song in my heart and a prayer in my lips. And if that happens, yeah, I can have this assurance. But in any other way, I don't have assurance. I I used to think that. I was taught that. Maybe you grew up thinking that. You're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. And David's saying, look, you can have assurance that you will surely, a bug, you will surely dwell in the house, sorry about that, did I flip that on you? <laughs> you will surely dwell in the house of the Lord. This life, the next life, that's what David's talking about here at the end. He, he Really, this is a year-long journey in the life of sheep. And the word dwell, when he gets to dwell, it, re, it literally translates, it means to return home. And that's what the shepherd would do. He would take the sheep on the journey we've read about in Psalm 23, and he would eventually turn them around, bring them back home to the stables he had prepared for them because that was their home. That was their place. They weren't created to live in the valleys, not even on the mountaintops. The same way we're not created for here. If this is all that there is, we got ripped off. Because this world is a broken place. If you go home and turn on the news today, you're going to hear about something that happened last week in a broken world. God walks into the theater and kills all those people. What a tragedy. Those things happen in a broken world. We weren't created ultimately to live here. We were created ultimately to live with God. In heaven, and after this life is over, we'll be guided back to the real place of residence that our soul was created for. Jesus talks about that in John 14. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you can be where I am. So the only way to experience this next life, heaven, 
that's prepared for us. The only way to experience it is to leave this one. Now, by a show of hands, who would like to go to heaven? Honestly, raise your hand. Who would like to go? I think that was 100%. Who wants to go today at 2 o'clock? That's still a couple people. I would imagine, I can't see for sure, I just saw hands. They're probably over 40, my guess. And they're thinking, okay, yeah, today at 2 o'clock would be great. But most people would say, I want to go, but I'm not done living yet. I don't want to die yet. Because of this fear and this, well, what's next? And, and I don't quite get what happens after you die. I mean, I've read the books, I've heard the stories, but for the most part, people have a big fear of death. The more you treat this life like it lasts forever, like people do, the more fear you'll have about the next. And David writes this verse so we can be assured that we can dwell in God's house forever. Nobody's getting out of this life without dying. Short, tall, thin, fat, rich, poor, successful, unsuccessful. We're not going to get out of this life without dying. Is that not motivational? Is that not like, thank you, pastor, I needed that. Thanks a lot. I was finding some good stuff, and then you said that, and now I'm back where I was at the beginning. But it's true. The only way we're going to experience this dwelling in the house of the Lord is to leave this life. And David says, let, remo- let me remove the fear for you. Let me show you how God leads you through this life. The ups and downs and the twists and the turns, he's there at every point. And he allows goodness and mercy in your life to continue to just push, him clo- push you closer and closer to him. As we've gone through all six verses of Psalm 23, I hope you never read this psalm the same again. I hope you never hear it again and think, oh, that, I don't know quite what that means. I hope when you hear it, you remember that's a picture of God and how God wants to be in my life. So to end out this series, let's read this together. It's on this screen, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Those words are written by a singer-songwriter named King David who wrote them looking back at his life all the way back and saying, when I see the journey that I've been on, the good and the bad and all the stuff that's gone on in my life, when I see that, I can see how God was with me, guiding and comforting me every step of the way. And because of that, and because of the goodness and the mercy he puts into my life to get me closer to him, I know that whenever, this, whenever I check out of this life, 
this great life that he's allowed me to live, whenever I check out of it, I can be assured that I can dwell in his house forever. Psalm 23 is a psalm of assurance. And as we read those words, I knew that when we went through this series, this would resonate with people who were going through difficult times, who were going through struggles, who were wondering how they were going to take the next step. I also knew there would be people who would hear these words that couldn't say today that, yeah, my shepherd is Jesus Christ. Or people who said, well, it used to be, and I wandered off. And if you're here for the first time today and church is new to you, this might seem a little weird, but don't let it. It's just a time when I'm saying anybody today that wants to make Christ your shepherd now or again or renew that relationship or if you just feel like I can't get out of this dark valley, I don't see any goodness, I don't feel any mercy, but I want to. If that's you, after I pray, we're going to be dismissed and Rob and I will be down front. You can come down and we'd love to pray with you and guide you through that decision. May you know that God is your shepherd. May you know that he allowed Jesus Christ to come to earth, show us how to live so he can be our shepherd. We all need guidance and we all need a shepherd and Christ longs to be that for each of us. So Psalm 23 is all about Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for this beautiful Psalm that we've been able to look at for these six weeks and and see how you want to be our shepherd. God, thank you for the guidance that you offer, the protection and the assurance. Father, I pray for the person that just sitting there knowing it's, it's time they take a step. God, I pray that you would let them see that them being here was not by chance. That you're calling out, showing them goodness and mercy, and you want to be close to them. God, help them to take that step today and just talk to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for coming today. Enjoy your week. Next week, we start a new series called It's Like. So bring somebody. Come and enjoy that with us.